0: Great. Good evening, everyone. Let's uh, pray, shall we, as we come to look at God's Word. Just as uh, I was thinking about this evening, I was reminded of a, uh, an old hymn by uh, Charles Wesley. The first uh, verse goes like this. Oh, for a heart to praise my God, a heart from sin set free, a heart that always feels your blood, so freely shed for me. Lord, that is our prayer we've been singing how we long to worship you and yet we know that uh, our lives are so so far from what they should be and we pray that as individuals as a church, as and as a church we would grow more like jesus for his name's sake we pray amen Uh, If you have a Bible in front of you, you might want to open it to uh, the reading we had a little earlier. Uh, It is 2 Peter, chapter 1, verses uh, 1 to 11. You'll find that on uh, page uh, 1222. It would be a great help to me if you uh, had that open. Uh, Before I became vicar, uh, I worked for a while in a department store. Uh, One of the big problems we had was spotting fake banknotes strange enough, yeah, hardly a day would go by where somebody would try and palm off a, a fake 5 or a fake 10 or even, even bigger denominations than that. Uh, and it amazed me how much time and money the company would spend in tracking down ways of uh, of, of trying to spot them. Uh, they're a bit of a pain, of course. You know, if uh, you get sold a, a, dud, uh, a bank note passed on to you, essentially it's worthless. It it's literally isn't you know, worth what's written on it. They're a pain, but they're not particularly dangerous. The world isn't really going to change through the odd £10 note. It might differ there's lots of them, but uh, they're not particularly dangerous. A fake doctor, on the other hand, might be. There's been a few of those in the news, haven't there, of uh, doctors who haven't quite had the uh, qualifications that they've claimed to be. They're pretty dangerous. You don't want a fake doctor uh, operating on you or telling you uh, what's wrong with you. They've got no idea what they're uh, doing. And a fake Christian leader is even more dangerous, let me suggest, because a fake Christian leader will be somebody who is trying to peddle a fake gospel, and fake gospels lead to fake Christians, and fake Christians are people whose eternal destinies look very, very different from what they think they might be. Uh, Alan said we're starting uh, an occasional series uh, this evening, uh, looking at various aspects of our vision statement. It's painted up on the back wall. Uh, let me commend it to you to go and have a look at and think about. Uh, we are looking this evening at what it means to grow more like Jesus. Uh, it's a wonderful thing to say, but what does it mean? Uh, and I thought it would be good to look at uh, what Peter has to say. Let me give you some uh, context. To this passage. It's not a particularly well-known corner of the New Testament. Two Peter. We were in one piece the other week, so let me say a little bit about Two Peter. Uh, the big context of Two Peter is about telling apart false and true Christians. Uh, essentially, what's happened is that the church has been infiltrated by a, a number of false teachers. Uh, we don't really know an awful lot about them. People have made various suggestions about what they could be. But it seems, from what we can pick up, we're we're sort of listening to one half of the telephone conversation in in 2 Peter, what we pick up is it seems that they were pressurising young Christians to not only give up on the Gospel, but also to give up on God's standards for life, on his standards for holiness, for Christian living. And Peter is writing not only to warn them of the dangers, to say, look, watch out, these guys are here, they're among you, be aware of them, But also just to encourage them, to draw them back, to start building some foundations again. uh, And to to, to encourage them back to finding strength in the Lord Jesus. Uh, And he says for us, central to being a true Christian is growing more like Jesus. Uh, The life of a Christian is one of progress. It's not going backwards, it's not staying where you are, it's going forwards. Uh, And we're going to see what uh, Peter says to help us as we think it through. Uh, The first thing that Peter says is that to grow more like Jesus, we are given resources. Have a look with me at uh, verses uh, 1 to 4, particularly looking from verse 3 onwards. Uh, Peter says this, "'His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness.'" Through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises, so that through them you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption of the world caused by evil desires. Uh, I don't know if you're a football fan or not, but you probably uh, won't have missed uh, the sacking of David Moyes a few uh, weeks ago. I'm not especially a football fan, but I was uh, in my car and listening to uh, the news, and there was one of these kind of radio phone-in things going on, and there was a big debate going on about basically whether it was his fault uh, one guy was arguing, oh, you know, it wasn't his fault. He just wasn't given the right resources. He wasn't given enough money. He had a team of duds. He was never going to get anywhere. The other guy was saying, well, you know, he, he was given everything. He, it was his fault. He wasn't, uh, he, he wasn't uh, doing, doing the good job. I don't know uh, what to comment on that. But if we're not given the right resources, it makes things very, very difficult, doesn't it, whether we're a football manager or not, and Peter starts by assuring his uh, readers that God hasn't just simply said, go and get, it, get on with it yourself, go and get the results, and abandoned us. No, he has resourced us with everything that we need for life and godliness in Jesus. Uh, he said that we've, uh, we've come to a knowledge of God, and we've received a faith uh, as precious as, uh, as other believers, And along with that, we have been given the resources to grow more like Jesus. We haven't just been left to get on with it on our own. God has given us everything that we need. Uh, Two things particularly that Peter picks out that we are given to help us grow more like Jesus. Uh, The first one uh, you'll see in verse 3 is that Jesus gives us his power. You see that, verse 3? His divine power has given us everything that we need. It's not just any power, it's divine power. Uh, Jesus' power is power in the fullness of deity. It is God's power in its fullness for the growth of God's people. When we're faced with trouble, when we're tempted to drift away from uh, what we know to be right, what we know of the Lord Jesus, to go and follow attractive, attractive alternatives, it's the power of Christ that is sufficient to keep us on track. Uh, we receive it, says Peter, through our knowledge of him verse 3 through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness Uh, what peter is saying is essentially it it is available to all those who have knowledge of jesus who know him who call him uh, lord and savior Uh, sometimes i guess we're tempted to think that we need some kind of special blessing you know if we've got some kind of second uh, magical experience then that's enough to kind of help us defeat sin peter says that's not true If you're a Christian, if you are a follower of Jesus, if you have knowledge of the crucified and risen Saviour, then you are given power by his Spirit. We have it through our knowledge of him. This is for all believers to grow more like him. It's not just for a few keynotes, for a few vicars and missionaries who take it seriously. It's for everyone. If you have knowledge of Jesus, you have the resources to grow more like Jesus. Secondly, not only does uh, Jesus give us His power, but He gives us His promise—or promises, I should say. Uh, verse four: Through these, He has given us His very great and precious promises, uh, that through them you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption. Promises are very, very important in two Peter. Uh, if we were to read on in chapter three, uh, we would see that uh, there's a big issue going on. That essentially, the false teachers are casting doubts on Jesus' promises to return. Uh, Jesus' promised that one day he will return again. And and it seems that essentially the false teachers were saying, no, he's talking rubbish, he's not going to come back, you don't need to worry, frankly, he's, he's talking rubbish. And Peter is clear that they're the ones who are talking rubbish. That simply isn't true. Peter is clear that Jesus' promises can be trusted. Because it's by his promises that we can look forward to the future. We can look forward to a future where we will be participants in the divine nature. And we will escape the slavery of sin that is our experience now. Clearly, we've got to be a little bit careful with these verses. Uh, Peter is not saying that we are going to become God. We're not going to be put on the same plane as God. He's not saying that we already are God. But he is saying that uh, we are going to be participants in some way in the divine nature. Uh, The great church father, who lived many, many years ago, called Athanasius, uh, said these words. He became, he, Jesus, became what we are to make us what he is. Let me say that again. It's, It's profound words. He became what we are to make us what he is. The great plan of God in his son, the Lord Jesus, is for us to be unified with him and to be transformed increasingly into his likeness, to participate in the divine nature. What a thing to think about. Uh, There's an old hymn that I used to sing at school, which had a line that said, um, we see the sights that dazzle, and tempting sounds we hear. Uh, And I wonder, perhaps for some of us, that may be our experience this evening. There's lots of things out there that seem quite tempting. Sights that dazzle, tempting sounds we hear things that uh, just encourage us away from what we know to be right, what we know to be pleasing to our Lord. Uh, And I wonder sometimes, I I certainly think this, when I I get tempted to drift away, I, I wonder how I can ever hold on to what I know to be right. I know in my own strength it doesn't work. And yet the great news that Peter has for us is that we're not on our own. The Christian fight that we have, the fight to... Uh, be holy, to live for Jesus, is not one that we live on our own. We have been given everything that we need in the promises and the power of Jesus to to, to live in his light, to equip us for the fight and to grow in godliness. We are given resources to grow more like Jesus. Uh, secondly, uh, growth, growing more like Jesus has responsibilities. Uh, look with me at... Uh, Verses uh, 5 and following. Uh, Peter says, For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, to goodness knowledge, to knowledge self-control, to self-control perseverance, to perseverance godliness, to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness love. If you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Well, we've always said, haven't we, that uh, Peter's hearers are being uh, misled by false teachers uh, who are trying to get them to abandon God's standards for for, uh, life and to indulge in immorality. And yet Peter is very clear that that just can't be the case. Because authentic Christian faith is always going to be worked out practically in our lives. It can't be any other way. If we're truly Christians, then it will make a difference to how we live our lives. More than that, Peter reminds his readers that spiritual growth is at least in part our responsibility. There used to be an old saying, let go and let God. Peter's saying that isn't true. We don't just sit back and let God do everything. We have some responsibility to grow. Uh, We've been given uh, Jesus' power and his promises. We've been welcomed into his kingdom through his grace. We've had that clear, haven't we, from the early, early verses. And because of that, we are able in his strength to make every effort to obey him and to grow more like him. Again, let's be clear, we're not saying that uh, this is in some way earning our salvation or uh, in some sense that we're trying to pay Jesus back for all that he's done for us. You know, oh, how can I ever make it up for him just trying to pay him back? No, Peter's not saying that. But at the same time, he is saying, we have a responsibility uh, to, to put effort in to grow more like Jesus. Uh, we are cooperating in his grace and his strength, if you want to put it that way, a partnership to live uh, in a life that pleases him. Um, the, the NIV uh, says in verse 5, uh, we are to make every effort to add to your faith. Um, I don't think that's a very helpful translation, to be honest. Um, far better would be to say that we are to give generously. Uh, the word that's used here is a, is a really odd one. Uh, I don't know how much you know about um, ancient Greece, but the Greeks were famous for having um, big, dramatic festivals. Every sort of once a year or so, they would have huge uh, festivals in their city where they would come and put on plays, and everyone would come and watch. Or, certainly you could if you were a, a man and you were freeborn. Sadly, ladies, you weren't allowed to. That's the way they worked. These were a huge uh, thing in the life of the, uh, the city. People would uh, spend ages preparing for them. And what would happen is that you'd get wealthy patrons uh, who would put up the, the money uh, and all the resources in order for these things to, uh, to, to happen. They, they'd do it out of their, sort of their, their love for uh, their people and their love for the arts. And the word that Peter uses here is exactly the same word that's used to describe those people, those people who give, you know, hundreds of thousands of pounds in order for these, uh, these events to be put on. Uh, Peter is saying, in, the, in other words, as Christians, we are to spare absolutely nothing in striving to be more like Jesus, uh, like the uh, wealthy theatre patrons, he wouldn't spare anything. We are to give absolutely everything, all that we've got, in order uh, for this growth to happen. How can we do any other, anything else, when Jesus has spared us nothing? He spared nothing for us. He has given it himself up to death on the cross in order for us to be reconciled to God. We're called to wholehearted cooperation with Him, to give generously, uh, make every effort to give generously to our faith. What will this growth uh, look like that Peter's been talking about? Well, he gives us a little sketch here, doesn't he, of, um, I suppose, what a healthy Christian might look like. We might almost think of it as a sort of spiritual MOT uh, to go through and and, and think what it might look like to be a healthy Christian. We can't look at everything, but let's just look at a couple of things that he uh, picks out for us. We've already said, haven't we, that he's talked a lot about uh, the importance of knowing Christ. He's mentioned it twice already uh, in uh, these verses And a hunger to grow in that knowledge of Jesus, uh, Peter says, is a mark of the growing Christian. Verses uh, 5 and 6. For this reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, to goodness knowledge. Uh, It is a mark of the growing healthy Christian that we should be longing to know more about Jesus, Uh, not just head knowledge, but, but heart knowledge. We want to know him in order that we know, may know what, what, uh, what pleases him. Uh, in order to uh, to, uh, to live a life uh, that will bring him praise. Uh, think of um, a, a couple in a relationship. There'd be something very odd, wouldn't there, if uh, one half of the couple wasn't interested in knowing anything else about the other half. There'd be something very strange about that. We should never be content with knowing a little bit of Jesus and just be sort of content with what we think we already know. We should be longing to know more about him. We should be delighting to, to read his word, to hear his words to us, to be praying with him, spending time with him, uh, in order that we might grow in knowledge and so we might know uh, how best to live a life that pleases him. Uh, next to knowledge, uh, we should be growing in uh, self-control. Peter says, uh, verse, uh, s- verse 6, isn't it? And to knowledge so and self-control, Self-control, perseverance. Uh, literally, the word self-control that Peter uses here means to, to get a grip on yourself, to sort of you know, grab yourself, get yourself uh, in, in hand. Uh, self-control, I think, is probably a rather unfashionable virtue, isn't it, nowadays? If somebody told you to have some self-control, that's not a, um, something that you'd like to hear. And yet, it's essential if we're going to grow in godliness, uh, a few years ago, there was a, many years ago, I suppose, there was a bishop called uh, Stephen Neal. He was uh, a missionary bishop in India. And somebody apparently once asked him, uh, after many years of Christian service, what he thought the most important quality for being effective as a Christian was. And his answer was that next to love, discipline. Next to love, discipline. It's not a fashionable uh, quality, is it? Uh, but self-control, discipline, is vital if we're going to grow more like Jesus. Uh, the false teachers uh, were teaching, essentially, that self-control for a Christian was unnecessary. didn't really matter what you did. You just go ahead, do what you, do what you like, uh, and nobody's uh, any, any, any worse off. Uh, and, and I guess, no doubt, they found a, a hearing for that, uh, that teaching. It's not easy, is it? We all know that self-control is hard. And yet, when we submit to Jesus, when we call him our Lord, when he is our master, it's amazing how he grows in us the ability to say no to things, just to to have control of ourselves. We can say no to sinful sinful desires, and we can grow in our obedience to him. Self-control is essential if we're going to grow more like Jesus. Uh, Above all, lastly, Peter says that the healthy Christian will be somebody who's going to strive to grow in love. Uh, right at the end, uh, so verse um, 6 of his list, he talks about uh, growing in brotherly kindness and adding to brotherly kindness, love. Uh, we are to grow in not only love for each other, as brothers, as Christians, uh, Christian brothers and sisters, but also in that Christian love, that love uh, that is sacrificial, that love that seeks to love uh, all others, as Christ has loved us. you remember Jesus said that it uh, was by our love that we would be known as his disciples. Yet, sadly, it's often true, isn't it, that it's very, very absent from Christian communities. Sometimes Christian communities can seem to be some of the least loving uh, of all places. It, it is a mark of being a genuine disciple of Jesus that we are growing in love, that we choose to love each other no matter how unlovely we might be, how difficult that might be, whatever the cost might be to us. Uh, And unless the world sees love in the lives of Jesus' followers, I think it will find it very, very hard to believe in Jesus' love uh, for the world. Love, I guess we could say, is the crown of the Christian life. It is what we're all uh, should be heading towards. It's an essential part of growing more like Jesus. Uh, towards the end of that little section, Peter says that uh, essentially growing in the fruits of the Spirit, which is what these are after all, aren't they? It's the work of the Spirit in our hearts. That is the demonstration of our spiritual fitness. Uh, And ultimately, it will help us to to continue and be clear-sighted, to keep following the path that's laid out for us. Verses 8 and 9, he says, if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they'll keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ but if anyone does not have them he's nearsighted and blind and has forgotten that he's been cleansed from past sins these are fruits that come from a partnership between the God of grace who calls us, he empowers us he gives us his spirit to develop a Christ-like character in us and the partnership of the Christian who grasps hold of that and who puts every effort in to growing more like Jesus and to bearing gospel fruit. Uh, let me commend to you. Uh, it's worth spending time thinking through some of these virtues. I've been thinking about them this week. There's a few things that have uh, struck me. Uh, let me say that, that I think they do act as a spiritual MOT. Uh, if we're, perhaps we're concerned that we're not growing more like Jesus, uh, why not have a look through these, uh, these, uh, these qualities Uh, And just consider, what what might the Lord be calling us to grow in? He said, uh, being a a healthy Christian is is somebody who grows more like Jesus. And these are some great things to start thinking about how we might uh, grow. Let me commend them to you to uh, have a think about uh, and to to pray through. That's growth, the responsibilities. Finally, let me think about uh, the rewards of growth. The rewards of growth. Uh, Look down with me, verse uh, 10 and following. Peter says, therefore, my brothers, be all the more eager to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never fall, and you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. Uh, I've started, so I'll finish. Catchphrase from uh, BBC TV's Mastermind. don't know if any of you watch that at all. Uh, quite a well-known uh, catchphrase. It's an excellent summary, I think, of Peter's words to, uh, to uh, his readers here. Ultimately, the reward for a life of growing more like Jesus is to be welcomed into his presence at the end of time. Uh, after a long and perhaps weary and maybe painful journey, a wonderful rest awaits for those who are growing more like Jesus. I started, so I'll finish. Uh, We're familiar, I guess, with the idea of uh, victory parades or sort of open-top bus uh, journeys. We saw those perhaps in the Olympics. That was the year before last, wasn't it? Where people were, uh, you know, successful athletes would be uh, paraded around the place. It's almost certain that Peter had that kind of image in mind when he was writing these verses. Uh, He would have known the idea of a victorious um, marathon runner coming home to his home city. Uh, he would have uh, been well familiar with that. The Greeks were very keen on their, uh, their athletics. Uh, they would, he would have seen the image of this runner who's been running the race, working so hard, coming home to a uh, wonderful welcome in triumph. And he says that image is an image that we have as Christians. The reward for finishing the race of life is a rich welcome from our saviour, verse 11 if you do these things, you will never fall and you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. It's interesting, just in passing, we don't pick this up from the English, but the, the, the word that's used of the, of the Christian in verse 5 that I said about the, uh, the art patrons, the, uh, the generosity, giving generously, is the same word that's used here to, uh, to describe uh, um, Jesus here. Uh, giving us a rich welcome. It's just the same idea. Peter is kind of saying, look, if, if you give generously, how much more will God give generously uh, at the end of, uh, of our lives? He's reminding his readers that when we give all that we have to growing more like Jesus, so he, for his part, promises to bless us abundantly with a future rich in, uh, in blessing in his kingdom under his rule. Uh, whatever we've given on the way to, uh, to, to, to the kingdom, uh, we can be sure that we will always be blessed in abundance. Uh, we, will, we will always get 100 times back what we've, uh, what we've inherited. The rewards of growing more like Jesus will far outstrip the demands that it makes of us. I've started, so I'll finish. How can we be so sure that that will be true? Well, Peter says we can be sure Because we are called and we are elected by God. Verse 10. Uh, Be all the more eager to make your calling and election sure. Uh, Peter says, he reminds us that in his sovereign grace, God has chosen us in Christ to, uh, to, to be his people. We can be sure that we will finish the race because it's God who has started us. We haven't started at all. It's God who starts us. And it's God who'll bring us through to the end. If it relied on us, we could well despair. And the proof of our calling is that we will work in our hearts with him to confirm our call by striving to live a life that's worthy of our calling. Uh, Jesus said, didn't he, that you will know a tree by its fruit. The mark of a Christian life is a life that is longing to be more like Jesus a Christian who cares little about growing more like Jesus might well wonder if he has ever known him at all. Is he a true Christian? Growing in grace, in the likeness of our Saviour, the Lord Jesus, is above all the mark of the true Christian. Uh, When I was younger, I had um, violin lessons. I loathed practising. I especially hated practising my scales, the problem was I could never really see that if I put in hard work in the practice sessions it would pay off in the future when I came to play more difficult pieces. It just, I just never made that connection. For me it was, just, it was just boring, it was repetitive and probably some of you are nodding and knowing that experience. And I wonder sometimes if that's a little bit like the Christian life. It, it can sometimes feel a bit like we're having to do endless practice sessions on our scales. We keep getting it wrong, we keep making a mess of it and we can just struggle to see frankly why are we doing it. Peter says that we do it because uh, one day we'll see it's all been worth it. We'll see that we will make it over the finish line. And we will enjoy eternity with Christ. Uh, let me encourage you, don't give up on growing more like Jesus. So many Christians uh, run for a bit. They perhaps fall away. They, as we all do, we stumble, we find it difficult. And they never really get going again. Uh, Growing more like Jesus isn't easy. And yet one day we are going to make it. And it's a sign of a healthy Christian life that we're concerned about growing more like Jesus. And that we're looking ahead to a future when we'll be free of sin and we'll uh, have eternity with Jesus. We started by saying, how do you spot a genuine Christian? Peter reminds us that a genuine Christian is somebody who's longing to grow more like the Lord Jesus. Somebody who is relying on his grace, on his strength, on his power, to help them to, to do that work in them. And it's somebody who's longing for that day when we will be free from sin, set free to worship our Saviour together. Uh, and let's pray, show as we close, that that would be true of us. We would be people, we'd be a church that doesn't just paint that statement up on the walls, but we are indeed making every effort to grow in godliness, grow in his power, keep growing in grace and readiness for that day. Let's uh, have a moment to be quiet, shall we? There's lots in these verses. That's lots of things that the Lord has been speaking to us about. Maybe one or two qualities in particular where we know that uh, uh, the Lord is perhaps calling us to, to, to put some effort in, to cooperate with him in his strength. Lord, we do praise you that we are not abandoned just to get on with this by ourselves, but you have given us everything that we need to grow more like you. And we are sorry, we know that so often uh, we find it too difficult, maybe it's too boring, we don't see that it's important, maybe we're just lazy, and we are sorry. And yet we pray that by your spirit you would strengthen us, put strength in every stride, that we might run the race faithfully, we might grow more like you, uh, that one day we might be found with you and uh, enjoy your presence uh, for all eternity. Help us, we pray, by your spirit.